right, and welcome back to the second episode of The Silver Window. Today, uh, our episode, or our movie, is uh, The Shining uh, by Stanley Kubrick from 1980. It's the favorite movie of Alex Ruiz. It's my favorite movie in life. It makes me excited about other movies and about this movie and about storytelling, and I just love everything about it. Mm -hmm. So join us on this uh, conversation that we'll have just about, um, we'll talk about conspiracies, about the movie we'll talk about we'll give a little bit of plot summary um but we are assuming that you guys have seen the movie um we'll give um behind the scenes sort of trivia and uh stuff like that so come along for the ride The Shining was originally written by Stephen King and was adapted by Stanley Kubrick. It follows a family of Jack and Wendy and their son Danny Torrance as they move into the Overlook Hotel to watch it over the winter months when there's no one else there. Um, Jack is the head caretaker Mm -hmm. of the hotel and as they're, he's also a writer, Um, as he's there writing and working and Wendy's there watching their son Danny. Um, and Danny's imaginary friend who lives in his mouth, Tony, Tony. Um, things get weird and people go crazy. A little bit, to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, pretty much it's like showing Jack's descent into this like madness sort of thing in the movie that either comes from like the hotel or maybe some outside source that's never really explained. Um, but yeah. And then it kind of just shows him going crazy and then trying to murder his family. Um, like the last caretaker did. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's that's kind of a big part in it. And then he, his family successfully gets away and then Jack ends up freezing to death in the hedge maze outside. One, um, of, one of the most confusing parts of the plot as far as like watching it for the first time goes is trying to figure... I've seen the movie a billion times and every mm. single time I leave thinking something different about it. Um, but the first time I watched it, I couldn't tell if it was a ghost story or if Jack was crazy or if any of it was real at all. Um, and there's a lot of discrepancies. That's not the right word at all. There's, there's just a lot of discussion. It's like about, really ambiguous in yeah. a lot of parts. Uh, yeah, like with the, you were, uh, the guy with the, the bar. Lloyd. Uh, yeah, Lloyd. It's like, is that, are we watching this from Jack's perspective and is he imagining Lloyd or is this sort of like a third party uh, viewing the Lloyd that actually does exist and is like a spirit of some sort? But Yeah, it's super yeah. unclear whether or not Jack is the one imagining Lloyd or if Lloyd is a ghost that's like manifested himself in the hotel and stays there waiting for the next caretaker for to go crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> or what's going on. Um, it's also hard to tell whether Tony's real because um, Danny's the only one who ever has any sort of interaction with Tony. Yeah. Um, in the book, Danny sees Tony yeah. and he gets progressively closer throughout the story, whereas in the movie, uh, the only way that the audience can see Tony is just when Danny's he does voice. Finger. Yeah, and the finger hey, wiggling. Tony. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think in the book it's pretty clear that um it's it is like this hotel and it is like this outside spirit that is real and it's sort of um like possessing jack and along with 
Tony kind of being there uh, as an embodiment of like the hotel trying to get to Danny or whatever because he has those, the power to shine as they say in the movie um, and I think that's pretty evident whereas in the movie it's like it's definitely left up to the viewer for a lot of it um, and their theories about it um, I think yeah. especially since it ends with a picture of Jack like in 1948 or 18 nope 1948 yeah. who's to yeah. say yeah yeah 19, yeah uh july 4th yeah at the, um, at, the at the party at a party yeah so and then that going along with the part in the bathroom scene when the the old caretaker is like you've always been the caretaker here yeah um oh man what a great so, movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah um I don't know. This is this movie has like a, a weird history because it has like a lot of, a lot of theories about it. Like there's like a group of people who think it's about the oppression of the Native American people, and it's really just about that. Whereas yeah. like like due to certain parts in the movie, like the date in the uh, the picture at the end being July Fourth, and that being like a day of celebrating america or even just the than, fact that it's called like the overlook hotel overlooked. and they've been overlooked and, yeah <laughs> we've oh, overlooked so. the native american <laughs> and like struggle. stuff in the supply closet when there's like uh indian like, like yeah like the depictions brand. of native americans yeah. on like cans and stuff and the way they're facing people have been like that's because they turned away from oh i don't know just like super far-fetched stuff there's also like also like the decorations of the hotel in the lobby and the, yeah the very the like, color red being in every scene then, yeah yeah to the, signify like the blood that they <laughs> they've yeah. shed realistically the only mention is in the beginning when um oh, jack's getting a tour indian burial ground yeah yeah that's right <laughs> so yeah and that's it and then and then there's also parts like the one scene where danny's wearing like an apollo 13 yeah. or something like sweater with and a then, little spaceship on it yeah and people are like oh that's just stanley kubrick saying i faked the moon landing where <laughs> he's admitting it yeah it's official because that was like a popular theory at the time because he was like a well-known director yeah. and then once that picture was taken people were like uh this is definitely fake <laughs> whereas like, yeah it's obviously not but, I really want that to be true just for my own sake. I yeah. don't think it is in the slightest, but that would be such a subtle, like, hey, by the way, guys. Humble like, brag. I knitted <laughs> this myself, and now this kid's wearing it. I've admitted it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then, like, stuff with, with filming it, like, there's a whole controversy, because Stanley Kubrick's known as, like, like a, sort of like a... Crazy person? Yeah, well, yeah, crazy and, like, and also... Um, reclusive I guess yeah yeah like he's known as like a recluse like he's a very private man he was um, like he barely left his house outside of filming and then like during filming he would like he would be friends with the actors but then after filming he would never talk to them again like uh, the guy from Clockwork Orange uh, Malcolm McDowell like they played ping pong like every day and chess <laughs> and stuff like that because Kubrick's a huge fan of chess of course he and is. they would they would do stuff like that, and Malcolm McDowell was like, yeah, I thought we were really close. And then right after filming for uh, Clockwork Orange was finished, he never heard from Kubrick again, and like never like got even mentioned by him. Um, How manipulative, yeah, which but is, it works. Yeah, and yeah, and his treatment of like Shelley Duvall in, in The Shining, like because she played such as this character that was like 
so manic and like oh she was in such a bad place yeah, and, Shelley and she was like supposed to be emotionally distraught throughout like the entire movie they like replicated that on set and Kubrick like told all of the co-workers and the crew it was like you can't be nice to her yeah like no sympathy she needs this isn't yeah. good for either of you if you're nice to her and so he would constantly argue with her and just like belittle her and like treat her terribly just to get her into character which um which worked and she gave a really good performance in that movie but it was like she said it was like she would never repeat like what happened there because she said it was like the hardest experience of her life um he did stanley kubrick was super careful with the actor who played danny yeah yeah which is also interesting too how he was really protective of that of like just because he's a child actor um, he, the child actor, didn't know that he was starring in a horror movie yeah. until like years later after yeah, the movie I think was released. Yeah, I think I read somewhere he saw like a cut of it that was like heavily edited when he was like seventeen, mm-hmm. and then he didn't see the like the full movie until he was like like several years later. Which is weird. Why did yeah. you go that long without seeing such a great movie? Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. So in scenes when. Like, there was a lot of yelling that Danny was in. They used, uh, like, a dummy. Yeah. A Danny-sized dummy uh-huh. to... Uh, like, the scene after... Um, he gets strangled. Yeah, he, in, Danny uh, gets strangled. In the room. Jack goes up to the bathroom, sees the woman, comes back down, is like, oh, yeah. There was nothing in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, well, there's... She, like, freaks out and, like, carries Danny out of the room and is screaming and Yelling crying. at Jack and cr- cussing him out and stuff like that. He um, has no clue. Yeah, and so he wasn't even in that, which was... Yeah. Which makes me wonder what Danny would have thought this whole movie was about. Um, yeah, I think he... I I don't know. I read somewhere that it was just like a drama. Like, he just okay. like It was in... But he was like... He did a bunch of weird stuff. Like, when he was in... When he... After he was in that sort of like comatose state. When he was in the bed. And he was just like foaming at the mouth or something. Yeah. And like doing that sort of weird... How would you explain it? This is going to yeah. be hilarious, son. Just yeah. you wait. <laughs> Um, and he wouldn't even, yeah, get to see it afterwards. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and the parts when, with the twins, uh, from the past family that got murdered, mm-hmm. uh, like when that, when they're like super bloody in the hallway and I, he wasn't even in that shot. Yeah. Like that was completely separate. Which also does make it seem like it was like we were seeing it from Danny's perspective. So that works as far as like directing goes. That was really well thought through, mm-hmm. um, cause it protected the actor, but also, made it purposeful, I guess, yeah. that he wasn't in the shot. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the movie we see through Danny's perspective anyways, just mm-hmm. like stuff that either he might be imagining or is actually happening. Yeah. So this movie was like... I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of movies that are based on books, a lot of times they have their, uh, the book author's, like, approval, and, like, like the guy who did Fight Club, Chuck, uh, Palachunk or something like that, however you say his last name, he, he even said that, like, Fight Club was better than mm-hmm. my book, like, the, the movie. Which is a great movie. Um, yeah, and, and, like, so, it's interesting because Stephen King, who does a lot of film adaptations of his work, he did not like this movie at all, even though this is definitely the most popular of his yeah, he described it, adapted. He described it as being a fancy car without an engine. Yeah. Just a lot of like... A lot of... Flashy imagery. Yeah, but and definitely, 
definitely fantastic cinematography, yeah. but taken the heart out of his story, which was really just about like a, a family and this, I don't know, this sort of, this bad circumstances thrust upon them rather than like people who like, you can already tell they're messed up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, even just just getting yeah, worse. Yeah, because he tries to sell Jack in the in the book as like like a family guy who cares well, about yeah, his kids. Well, yeah, and... like in the past, like yeah. even though he is an alcoholic, but he right. does care about his family, I guess. Whereas even in the beginning of the movie, he seems super like untrustworthy, like, yeah, like, super sketchy. Crazy. Just because he's, I don't know if his if that was the choice of like There's the director or if it's just Jack Nicholson's personality yeah. in general. I think Stephen King was trying to talk Stanley Kubrick out of casting Jack Nicholson. Yeah, I think he tried to cast like out of Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall because mm. in the book, uh, the Wendy, she's like a blonde, nothing's bad ever happened to her. Oh no. Sort of like, like her life was perfect before she was married sort of thing. Um, Whereas like Shelly, something like Shelly Duvall, she looks like she's been through hell and back (laughs) already. And, uh, and now she's just kind of, I don't know, just getting further emotionally distraught. Oh my gosh. um, Yeah. And then Nicholson, just kind of looks crazy in general and you can tell from the beginning it's like this guy's gonna be crazy yeah even his like winning smile when he's in that yeah. interview at the beginning it's kind of like oh yeah that interview is so it's this so is weird, so he's like, unnerving yeah um, so yeah and it's just it's it's interesting like and even even like a lot of authors when the filmmakers change their movie they're okay with it be for the sake of it being a movie yeah um but for him he was just like i did not like this movie at all Mm. um which is interesting there was a mini series on tv that went out that's right yeah that one he likes better yeah or at least Um, it's more like faithful to the story yeah he said it was yeah better to the story for sure which i think is interesting i want to watch that Mm -hmm. because that would be so cool yeah i think um like it was partly because Stanley Kubrick, I think, would be so difficult to work with on that, where, like, he was, a lot of times, he was just really spontaneous in, like, his filmmaking. Like, he would just be, they would just be on set one day without a really direct plan, and the script would change every day to where, like, Jack Nicholson stopped even reading the daily script because he knew it was going to change in an hour anyways. Um, and, like, that sort of spontaneity of just, like, oh, this works really, like, appealing to the eye let's mm-hmm. switch this to do that and you have to ch- make changes to other things which also affects the story so i feel like that would be just difficult to work with in general when you're talking about a set story that's already been established yeah. and not something that you're just kind of you made yourself and going along for the ride um i've also heard that stanley kubrick is also super like meticulous and other things like mm-hmm. one, uh, once he has that vision shots, that he thinks yeah. of it's like oh we're doing this until it's perfect yeah. until it's exactly what i want yeah um, um like the elevator blood scene yeah um, uh, yeah there's a really poorly made documentary about the shining room 237 two, three, seven. Two, three, seven, yeah so bad oh my yeah, gosh it's... what a poorly made documentary yeah <laughs> it makes me so, it's like the opposite of the shining like mm-hmm. favorite movie least favorite documentary i've ever seen in life who funded this <laughs> what the heck um but in that documentary they talk about that elevator scene where the blood like flows out of the elevators um, which is only shown twice in the movie but is a, yeah. like a really significant that part. was the whole theatrical trailer for it like, oh which is crazy on the release oh, cool. it just what had the, the credits it was like Jack Nicholson Shelley Duvall Stanley Kubrick 
then the blood elevator, and then that was it. Um, um, in the documentary, they talk about the fact that they filmed that like hundreds of times. Um, but in the final shot, someone was trying to pick apart the fact that um, it looks like something's falling in it, like some sort of physical thing that isn't the blood. And they were saying that if if uh, Stanley Kubrick didn't want that physical thing to look like it was actually there, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been, yeah. So they try and put that as like, well, what is that the body of? Like, what's in the blood? What is it? Mm. Um, and then another part... So that's one thing that they filmed like a billion times. They think it's super purposeful. Um, when Danny's in the hallway and he's like rolling, the, or he's playing with the trucks and he's wearing the Apollo mm-hmm. sweater. On the carpet. On the yeah. carpet, the pattern, the significantly patterned carpet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's facing like a way that the pattern on the carpet is surrounding him. Um, but when it cuts to a different shot, the pattern on the carpet's like shifted and it's like facing a different way. And hmm. it just looks like a continuity error. Um, but everyone, like a lot of yeah. Stanley Kubrick fans are like, there's no way it's continuity error. Like yeah, there's no way there's just, allowed that. you can't yeah. just overlook that. But, Damn. no, sorry. Um, <laughs> so they think that that's really significant, trying to figure out what that means. Maybe it's Tony finally getting in because the carpet pattern like opened versus, mm. I don't know. Who's to say? Yeah. Stanley Kubrick's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, with that blood elevator scene, it was like, uh, they, they had to fill up the tank like that that it was in for like I think like a whole day so they had to like postpone a whole day of shooting just to fill his tank up and every single time he was like no it doesn't look like blood we no, gotta do this again, again. Yeah. sorry guys and so they tried like several different like materials and like uh, different like I guess ingredients or whatever to, like to try and get this like consistency perfect where it looked like blood which I personally still think it looks like like fruit punch or something. Yeah, but it's like not, it's yeah. not opaque at all. It's super yeah. see-through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, and actually for that theatrical trailer, the, at the time, at least, and I think maybe still now, the MPAA didn't allow like use of, doesn't really allow use of blood in the trailers that they show in movie theaters and so he had to convince them that it was just like rusty water yeah because there's no really significant meaning to that blood elevator so they couldn't just be like oh that was in the book and it's blood you liar but yeah. it was like just something original like that so i don't know that was interesting i'm interested to know i'm i just want to talk to stanley kubrick and ask him he why. did <laughs> it's over <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> We're gonna have him on next week. No, no, that's not. Gonna Sorry. Work out. Oh man. Um, He's a little busy. I wish I could know things like that, like why that shot was included, why he chose to still include the guy in the like bear dog costume oh, without yeah, explaining any of his story at all. Yeah. Um, still does he have him. a backstory in the book? He does in the book. It's like a really long-winded like. Is it really? Yeah, I think oh, wow. so. It's I know I didn't get to that part. Anyways. Not podcast appropriate. Oh, really? Apparently oh, wow. not. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, they still included him in the movie with no explanation. A lot of people yeah. always say that that's the scariest part of the movie for them. Is just like this is so unnerving. I don't know what this means. Yeah. This is terrifying. Which I think it's I mean, missing yeah. point. Yeah, but, but still, it is. It is. Super it's weird. so weird. The whole movie, like they do such a good job of making you feel uneasy, mm-hmm. and it's shots like that unexplained thing, or like, um, like the old woman suddenly being the there. Bathtub. That's so yeah. confusing and unnerving. Mm-hmm. Um, even the layout of the hotel, in general, yeah. 
unnerving, confusing, doesn't because make any doesn't sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's and like it's that just impossible window yeah. in that office that like can't can't be there because they figured out like the map layout of the hotel. These nerds <laughs> and figured out, oh well, this office has a window and that shouldn't be there. Like so. this is the hallway that was shown in this yeah. tracking shot. Yeah. And this movie has a lot of tracking shots, and it also features a lot of mazes, meaning the hedge maze, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Um, so it features a maze, and that's a tracking shot when they're walking through there, and it's like Danny and Wendy. No, yeah, Danny and Wendy like walking through, following them. Um, and you also follow Danny in the hotel when he's on his little like his, trike. his, his big wheel trike, his big wheel trike Green going machine. around. Oh, what a kid! Um, that's a tracking shot. Um, when Jack is walking through the hotel for the first time, that's tracking them. When they're given tour, like it's all so purposefully like we're gonna follow you through this hotel and it's mm-hmm. not gonna make any sense and yeah, you're gonna and be it confused and unnerved yeah. and that's great i love that oh my gosh i mm-hmm. love this movie yeah um i think the, another really like purposeful sort of thing about the cinematography um is like the the fade the fade out and fade in cuts that they yeah. do between scenes like a lot like they're just like a lot of times they're just geometrically just like they match up with each other so well that it looks like like they just fade in and it's like I mean like it feels like nothing has changed really like it wasn't a significant cut but it just like it, they just flow so well together that it, it reminds me a lot actually of um, Citizen Kane when it was like one of the first movies to do that sort of like fade in dissolve um, thing and then it like matches up perfectly geometrically to the next shot um, which is really interesting. Like, I don't know, certain parts that of like the mountains that fade into the parts of the hotel. And then like, like when they're touring the hotel in like the first 20 minutes or so of the movie or whatever, um, when they're touring and they go through every different room and like those fades, they just like, they match up super well, even though the rooms are completely different in like size and the dimensions and everything. Yeah, when I think about this movie, I don't think about like the second or third act at all. Like when someone's like, "Oh, you know, why is The Shining your favorite movie?" I'm like, "Cause it's." I immediately picture, and this is such like an insignificant scene overall, like mm-hmm. as, as how it goes with the rest of the movie. But the scene where they're being walked through, and it's Wendy and Jack being walked through, and there's one shot that's not significant at all, but it transitions. It's like a fade from them walking somewhere and then they're walking in the hallway and it's i can't describe it because it's not that significant and nothing sticks out about it but that's my favorite scene in this movie mm-hmm. which is weird i just think just it's because so, of that cinematography yeah, yeah it's just so well done this was the movie that made me want to do film as a job and like mm-hmm. actually consider cinematography seriously um and it's just so good so yeah. well thought through yeah for sure Alrighty, well, that was The Shining. Um, thank you for coming along with us. It was a good time. Uh, I had a good time. Alex, you? It's the best yeah. movie ever. It was the best time. Yeah, it was great. It was a good time talking about your favorite movie. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely check out this movie if you've not seen it. It's worth watching. Um, yeah. Um, but for sure, check out our next podcast in three weeks. Three yeah, weeks. Three weeks. Uh, so thanks for listening to The Silver Window, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you around. Wendy? Stay away! Darling, light of my life. I'm not gonna hurt you. 
You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains.